This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. What we do and who we are genuinely affects each other. We have both the power to inspire each other to greater heights or to the lowest depths. This is why the community is so important on the spiritual path. One benefits from the communion of uplifting company and friends. Valeria interviews Rabbi Gabriel Cousins, MD, MDH, DD. He is a doctor of divinity, Diplomate of American Board of Integrative Holistic Medicine, Diplomate Ayurveda, Mystic Visionary, Physician of the Soul, Holistic Physician, Psychiatrist, Family Therapist, and Founder of the Holistic Liberation Way, and the Tree of Life Foundation, is a leading author, spiritual master, expert in raw and living foods and vegan nutrition and a researcher on naturally healing diabetes and depression, as well as a spiritual ecology leader who began living fully off the grid in 1976. Gabriel is considered a master of kundalini energetics and meditation. He is also an 11-year spirit dancer, traditional ghost dancer, and a sweat lodge inipi leader, and a four-year Native American sun dancer and eagle dancer. He has been adopted into the Lakota tribe Horn Chip Clan and given the name Yellow Horse. Gabriel functions as a holistic physician, one of the main live food and vegan medical experts in the world, and according to the New York Times, the fasting guru and detoxification expert. Dr. Cousins is the author of 13 books, starting with his classic book, Spiritual Nutrition and the Rainbow Diet, published in 1986. Other popular book titles include Conscious Eating, Conscious Parenting, and Torah as a Guide to Enlightenment. His latest book, Into the Nothing, is a spiritual autobiography. Gabriel is an internationally celebrated spiritual master, bridging cultures and ethnic groups, as well as teaching in 42 countries. He is an Essene rabbi and founder of the Essene Order of Light. As a part of his world service, Dr. Cousins functions as a live food vegan peace worker, reactivating the prophetic teachings of Genesis 129 for the healing of individuals and the planet. As a husband, father, and grandfather, he supports families on the spiritual path. In summation, Gabriel is a world spiritual master and an inspiration to thousands for the paradigm of whole person health and liberation. Gabriel is married to Shanti Gold's cousins. He has two children and three grandchildren. He presently lives in Israel. As a spiritual evolutionary visionary, he has committed his life to the world service of elevating planetary consciousness and of establishing these healing and transformational programs 
on an international basis so that he and everyone who chooses to help can participate in the healing and transformation of the individual and the world. Meet Rabbi Gabriel at drcousins.com and treeoflife.mn.co. Here's the interview with Rabbi Gabriel Cousins. In your own words, who is Gabriel? Gabriel doesn't exist. It's in a concept. There, there is an existence beyond time and space, which is the truth of who we are, which we call that. We have an I am that, as if the I am that, but then there's only that. So what I write about in my book, Into the Nothing, is that you stop existing. And so to really know yourself is you give up even any idea of who you are in time, space, and energy. So who is Gabriel? That's the non-dual approach. There is nothing. And that's really the truth. On the other side of that, I kind of work with a different, different traditions. Uh, I lived in India for seven years, studied and became a Veda Vedanta and Kashmir Shaivism, meditated six hours a day until the truth appeared. And the, and the truth was none of those traditions. Uh, <laughs> I'm also a Kabbalist and a rabbi, and I'm also um, in the yoga work, but also a Native American sun dancer and what they call eagle dancer. That's a four-year commitment. Um, so I come from a lot of different traditions, but in the end, there's nothing. And that's, that's the truth of, of the thing. But in the freedom of the nothing, you can move in any direction. You said something interesting. Um, so when we, in order to realize that we are nothing, which is not really nothing, it's no thing, from my understanding, is um, you have to give up those ideas that we have of who we are. So my question is, who is trying to give up? So my answer is, I never even considered giving up anything, and they just disappeared. So there was no I to disappear them, and I'm very serious. You meditate for six hours a day, chant the name of God for four and a half hours a day, and there is no, there's nothing left to give up. It just happens naturally. So there's no I to give up anything. It just, it disappears. That's, that was my reality of it. How did you come to that place? I know it's not a place. I understand what you're saying. And it happened naturally. I actually, um, I had been a, uh, I don't like the word seeker, but I began to really focus on God when I was young, like four years old. And uh, not because my family was religious or, you know, they, they weren't not. But when I was eight, I began having visions of divine beings. And when I was 16, I began meditating more uh, uh, seriously. And part of it got set off with the, my older brother was killed in a car accident. And I were very close. So I began 
asking the question at 16, what is this all about? What's the meaning of death? And that then went until I was, everybody in my family pretty much died. And then I, I met uh, Swami Muktananda, and that was the first clue I had of the meaning. And the meaning is there's only God and there's nothing else. There's only the nothing. And once you realize that, then uh, that's the beginning of really waking up. There is only God, which means everything we perceive, everything we seem to see and experience is God. It's also nothing. Those are all objects, and that's the dual world. But in deeper reality, only the nothing exists, which is really non-dual. But dual and non-dual are still dualities. So beyond that is the nothing. So the non-dual, you know, we call non-dual, but there's still something that's non-dual. That's still something, but there's a place of nothing. You do not exist. There's only that. Right. That's what I'm talking about. In everything that we seem to be experiencing, right? There's um, just that non-dual, which is not a thing, right? I love that you said that too. That's very clear. It's not an object. It cannot be seen, right. touched. You see and feel the dance of, of the divine in all things. In the Kundalini, Kashmir Shaivism, uh, you see the dance of the divine, the dance of the goddess Kundalini. But when you get beyond the goddess, there's just, it's all one again. What drives some of us to realize this truth, this non-dual truth or God itself, the reality of God, and some of us not to even contemplate the idea? Uh, again, that, that's an opinion, right? Mm, yes. I'll just give you yeah. my opinion based on my experience, which is all I have. So I began to answer the, ask the question, the meaning of death and is there any is there is there and I realized there was no death for the self so that's when I began at 33 I got okay there's no death for the self but as I meditate and as I explained pretty intensely for seven years from the age of 33 to 40 um, it all disappeared Okay, so beyond the meaning of death, there is no death and there's no life. There's only the nothing, which is non-dual or dual. It's neither of those. And that's just what happened. But the drive comes. How does the drive come? How does a four-year-old know, right? How does an eight-year-old start having visions? How when you're 16, you... You're, you're driven to meditate and get the meaning of death. And, you know, how does that? I think it, this opinion, there's just evolution. And we're ready at different times in the reincarnation cycles that it's talked about in the Torah, it's talked about in the Buddhism, it's talked about in, in yoga, is that we are reincarnating. And at some point, you start to reincarnate at higher and higher levels. So you don't go backwards. I mean, you can. You, it's not the usual path. And you, and then so 
if somebody is at a different part of their evolution, they, they go deeper and other people aren't there yet. You know, in this cosmic play. That's how I see it. Why some people have no interest whatsoever and other people it's like, well, oh, this is really, this is what? This is all what life is about. Right. This is what I felt about it. Or I feel about it. Yeah, I love the way you um, begin answering that question about it's just an opinion, right? It's just um, right. perception. I guess this is the time to ask you this question that I, I usually ask some of my guests, not all of them. What is the goal of the work you do? You have been doing beautiful work, teaching what you know to be true in different ways. It's just really beautiful to see your websites and the offerings that you have. So the question is, what is the goal of your teachings, of all these offerings? It's a really interesting question. Um, Early on was was uh, in the 1970s. It was more, to, you know, to, to to bring the awareness of again Kundalini and the anatomy of it and the meaning of spiritual life. At this point, I can't tell you there's a goal. It's just what is happening. It started with an idea to help people wake up. What's happening is it's that's just what's happening. So I, I try to go with the unfolding at whatever level of understanding. It's just like when I was with Swami Muktananda in the ashram in Ganeshpuri, it was like, he's, you're supposed to meditate an hour a day. Well, I'm saying, I actually, believe it or not, I was that naive. I asked, well, is it okay if I meditate six hours a day? It's making me do that. I don't really have a choice. And he thought that was very funny. He thought it was like, this is hilarious. And he had a big laugh. Oh, do whatever, however the, the, the Shakti Kundalini is guiding you. So the answer is, the goal is, let my will be God's will. And that's basically the goal. And it isn't like a specific thing, because that's more from an egoic point of view. It's just like whatever God's will is going on, I just try to align with it. And that's basically how I look at it. So I have a goal like I did, you know, in the 70s. Yes, I guess I asked the question because it seems to me that uh, most of the uh, spiritual teachings, even religion, religious organizations, and so many people out there, the goal is to lessen suffering, is to end suffering, is to somehow help others to suffer less. With that in mind, I guess that's, why I ask the question, because I have done a lot of work myself and I have, I'm very committed to the path of spirituality and seeing clearly the truth and applying that into my life for this, which I call life. But then I see that I'm powerless when I am in the presence of human beings who are, like, for example, I have a friend who her sister-in-law just lost her daughter and she was very young. So she just suddenly lost the body. She died. I didn't know what to say. There's nothing I could say to lessen that suffering. So, so to answer the question, um, my goal isn't to end suffering. Um, suffering is a state of consciousness. So I don't focus on suffering. As the more people wake up, the less they suffer. And so my focus is is more on the waking up process 
there are natural events. You lose a daughter, you should grieve. That's normal. Now, if you're going to grieve for six years, that's not normal. Three months, six months, that's fairly normal. And because um, it, it's like part of your subtle body's been torn away. You're wounded. And that needs time to heal. So I advise people, go grieve, you know, three months, six months. But um, then there's a limit to it. And what ends the suffering is waking up. Because at a, at a deeper level, you understand whatever the divine does is for the best. And that may not be comfortable, but we didn't come here to be comfortable. I didn't. And then, uh, and, and so you're not suffering. There is no suffering. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love that too. Um, yeah, I love your clarity. And I have heard that pain is natural, but suffering is optional. I've had two abdominal or hernia operations without anesthetic. Hmm. Maybe pain isn't natural because there was no pain. How come? In the yoga tradition, at the fifth level, you reach a place where the senses dissolve. So there's no pain. Before that, or before you kind of reach that level, yes, there is pain. So don't don't misunderstand me. But at, at a certain level with that, there is no pain. They have a name for it. I'm not going to get technical. But at the fifth kind of stage of the yoga awakening, the pain goes away. I, I tested myself because that's the way I am. Fine, I'm going to have this hernia. I'm going to do it without anesthetic. The doctors are a little upset, but okay, this is what I'm doing. Here, okay, so fine. You know, because I went into meditation at beyond the place where senses exist. Would you say that that's a different level of consciousness, or this is just a practice? Well, I didn't practice it. It just what is. It's a different level of consciousness. This is a level of Eight limb yoga is the fifth level. It's called pratyahara, withdrawal of the senses. But it happens naturally. See, all these things. The minute you have a goal, then you have a you you have a limitation. I just knew that that was the truth, and I was going to test it out. Let's just test it. You're getting a, a hernia operation. They have to cut into you and do all that. Fine. Let's see how that works. So it's just a way, you know. Um, but your senses are good. Brought your heart done in those senses when you reach that level of meditation. Is that samadhi? It is, but they're different levels. You know, you have, uh, it's, a, it, it's a lower level of samadhi. Because you're still there, I'm still meditating, I'm conscious of my body. At um, deeper levels of samadhi, uh, sahaja samadhi, for example, there's no you there to even thinking about it, you know. Can you please explain what samadhi is? I know I have done a lot of studies on that and I'm very interested in that state, although I have not been there, but it sounds very inviting. So please explain to the audience what, okay. what samadhi well, is. Two levels of samadhi. One is a level where you're aware that there's a you and you're in this unbroken bliss. At the Sahaja Samadhi, you disappear, and there's only the unbroken bliss. Unbroken bliss means nothing else is happening. That's all there is. And um, one is with light, 
the first level of samadhi that you're seeing the, the light, but then the next level, nothing, darkness. You're, you're, you're beyond the void, but you have to go through the void. And so uh, sahaja samadhi is where you're beyond the void. Right. And that takes meditation to get there? Okay, Brandon, well, or... that's how it happened for me. Right. Now, I didn't have the goal because I didn't even have the language. That's what was ha- that's what began to happen. I'll put it that way. If that makes sense, you know. Um, there are lower levels, you see different gods and goddesses and they're interacting with you, okay, but that is not samadhi. You're 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 dancing in the astral plane. Samadhi is beyond any of the planes of consciousness. There's a little bit of you with the the where you see the light and then there's no you, and there's no light, there's only, not, there's the nothing, which is in my book, obviously, and do the nothing. And so that's a way of walking around. Now, other levels of mind, you're walking around, but when you, uh, but you're kind of in bliss. At deeper levels of mind, you can't walk around. Because mm. you're not in touch with your body. There, there's no body. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, so how do you walk? Right. <laughs> yes. The profound message here, from what I understand, is that everything is optional in a way uh, when it comes to the sensory perceptions and being here, experiencing this is also an option. So pain's optional and suffering, obviously, it's optional. I let the divine push me, okay? It's like, fine, you're Meditating six hours, I can't help it. So in my book, you know, uh, it is nothing, I have poetry. I can't help it. It's just burning me up. It's just what is. And then you're chanting, and you're basically, as you go on, there's just nothing left. So it just happens very naturally. That's, I think that's the important thing. That, that We use the word practice, but it's really a way of life. And I'll, you know, I, in my books and in my, you know, website, treealife.mn.co, I talk about the six foundations. It's just kind of a, a way of life. So it's a way of life that leads you to liberation. Right. So we don't have a goal. We have a way of life. I love the titles of your programs. Your book, just mentioning again, is Into the Nothing, a spiritual autobiography. But that was not the only book you have written. You have so many others. 13 books. I know, 13 books. Um, Conscious Parenting, Spiritual Nutrition, Spiritual Nutrition about Diet, Spiritual Nutrition Kundalini, and book, because uh, I'm also a psychiatrist, I have a book on healing depression naturally. And uh, just lots of little books. I love your work. I love the energy that is being transmitted to help others, although that's not really the goal, but I can sense the intention, which is really beautiful. Yeah. So another question I have for you, because I know you also work with um, Ayurveda and holistic healing uh, at the level of the body, which everything's connected. Of course, we can't disconnect anything. But what is to be healthy? Like, how would you describe the state of health? What would that look like? It's a, it's a really good question. So, uh, 
as a holistic physician among physician, you know, uh, uh, operations, you, you need to be healthy in a physical body, emotional body, mental and spiritual. And they're all integrated. So to me, holistic health is all four of those levels at their optimum. Okay. So let me explain. So my, I'm, 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 I'm in my 80th year around the planet. I, every few days I'm doing my 1,800 push-ups and I'm doing sit-ups and I'm, and I'm walking with my wife in the day and I'm doing pranayama and I'm eating, you know, 100% or 99% my food, vegan life food. These are ways of life. You know, I'm obviously meditating hours and, uh, and then seeing clients and supporting. So it's a total picture as a way of life rather than I'm doing my yogic practice. Do I do yoga five days a week? Yeah, or six days a week. But that isn't the point. I don't do it. I mean, it's just a way of life, if that makes sense. I think I'm trying to make it simple for people, creating a way of life that helps you wake up, that expands your consciousness, uh, and not think it as you're practicing it like this is your life. And there's a place where it stops being your life. There's, there's just that. And then beyond that, there's nothing. And you're dancing in the nothing, and pretty soon there's no one dancing. <laughs> so yeah. it's a progression of consciousness. Yeah. Huh. I wonder what is the, um, the connection between being a vegan and then all these practices, the asanas from yoga. What is the connection between all that and awakening? Because we could wake up without the body being ready, <laughs> in a way. Well, um, when you take about a holistic approach, that's a question. So, for, for, for example, what's the difference between a vegan and a meat eater? Well, as a vegan, well, when you're eating meat, you're taking in the pain, misery of, of the animal. But more than that, in my research, actually, more by chance than anything else, I saw that meat-eating, meat, fish, chicken, and dairy – actually blocks the flow of the kundalini. Now, this is the subtle body level, okay? But there are what we call nadis, and there's a central channel called the shishumna. Energy's flowing through it. Well, what I discovered as I was studying kundalini and having to deal with people having crises with it and so forth, is that meat, fish, chicken, and dairy blocked the flow of the spiritual energy, known as kundalini, known in the biblical tradition, the Raha Kadesh, if you get what I'm saying. So these things block the flow of the spiritual energy. But they're also taking in pain, fear, and misery. And I think the Buddha said that, and a variety of Buddhist teachers have actually said that. I'm not going to start doing a bunch of quotes. Clearly, yogis understood that. That's why they created the sattvic diet, which a vegan diet, or vegetarian, but now it would be vegan. So... That's how that fits in. Now, you want to also understand you want to increase, that's like physical. You want the movement of the body. So I like sacred dance and uh, uh, <clears throat> and doing the yoga, which helps the flow, and pranayama, which helps the flow of the energy. You're doing that. Third is service and charity. What does that do? It opens the heart. 
You see in some yogis, they live in the cave and their hearts aren't particularly open. Like your heart does need to be open. That just happens. It's just what happens. If you're ready, the fourth is working with a spiritual teacher. Because they, they've already fallen in most of the holes and share that, make your life a little easier. But also their energy supports you. The next is meditating as much as possible and chanting the name of the divine because all those frequencies up your frequency. And then um, my guru also uh, graced me with the ability to awaken the kundalini energy. So we, I focus on this is the initial part of waking up. You know, some people get it just literally looking at some of my books or seeing my picture that they have a Kundalini awakening and that's you know that's not the only way to awaken it. I mean literally uh there's some women in pregnancy they give birth their Kundalini gets awakened. I mean that's not the usual way it goes, but I'm just saying there's lots of things. So all those work together. Now I also call a sevenfold piece from an Essene point of view I'm just add to that is is family relationships and uh, intimacy, sacred relationship as a spiritual path. We call it tantra, but that people think it's about sex. No, it's about intimacy and sharing your heart with someone and trusting someone. Well, this is important. Okay, so intimacy and then your relationship with community and even when we get to all cultures. So I've, as a Native American sun dancer, I understand that. I work in Africa. I work in different places. And there's an understanding that everybody has a, has a weakness. They, you, you just know. They get it. Um, and, then, and then finally, uh, I call it sacred ecology. And you understand that you're not the keeper of the planet, you are, you, you actually are the planet. Body is the living planet. Well, that's a little bit different. So of course you want to take care of the living planet because it's like taking care of your own body. So, so you're not the, the shepherd of, of the planet, which is good. It is you. And then finally, there's only God. So that, that encompasses what I just shared. It's a way of, of being in the world, a way of life that naturally takes you to liberation, naturally expands your consciousness. And that's what I, I do. Now, there also is a, a thing that can happen. I'm going to give a little prayer. It's about merging the heart and the mind. Got, so I'm going to share that with people. It takes a, a, about 30 seconds. Shimi kud kusha brihu ushinate bi ilo or ilo laya shimuki bavke. Just merge the heart and mind, heavens and earth. Oh, wow. I had goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. So that's the practice. See, you're, you're merging everything. You're not just in your head. You're not just in your heart. It's the integration of that. And so that's a way of life. And that's, is a, that's kind of really what I teach, it, you know, in all my courses, and we do spiritual fasting, and we do, you know, uh, yana yoga, Aveda Vedanta kind of uh, courses. But the bottom line is what I just shared. It's a way of life 
that you live that leads to waking up and ultimately liberation. I love all that. Uh, what is not to love, really, <laughs> when we think about <laughs> love, right? What's not to love about everything that you are offering and saying? It's just so beautiful. Uh, let's see. So you're the founder of the Tree of Life Foundation and yes. then the Holistic Liberation Way that you've been talking about. And there yes. yeah, you have a website and you offer the website. I have all the way here. Treeoflife.mn.co or just drcousins.com and that will take you there too. Yes, I have both of them. I'll have the links on your podcast profile. I actually see people as a holistic physician. So that's another thing that I do. And it teaches me a lot. Working with people on this kind of interplay. I mean, the first session I have with somebody is usually two and a half hours. I mean, to me, healing is, is you have to experience the other person. And that's one of the things that really caught my attention um, with your work is the community work the value of that. I see the way you speak to, I think there is a, actually a chapter, let me see, that caught my attention, the spiritual path and the value of community. That's what came to me. It's almost um, merging those two. I mean, there's nothing that's separate anyway, but I love the way you bring all these um, components together. It's, it's an easier kind of journey to be together, to learn together from you one another. You get support in many ways. Yes, right, Gabriel. Particularly yes. in this world at this time. Yes. Uh, so a lot of my work, um, it, you know, at drcousins.com or treealife.mn.co is actually creating situations where people can support and I lead a variety of things, Alive and Liberated with Dr. Gabriel, Spiritual Nutrition. In Brazil, we have a, a variety of different programs, actually. Um, and it's all about, again, supporting people in the different aspects of the waking up process. Do you also meet people in person, online? You have a lot of online courses and offerings. Yeah, no, no, I see individual people online, I mean, in person, too where I am, if they make it where I am, but I'm seeing people around the world, you know. So ah, yes, okay. In, in, the, in the, you know, South America, Argentina, Brazil, uh, Uruguay. I mean, I'm seeing people from all over the place. Venezuela, as well as um, in Africa and, and uh, also in the Middle East. Wonderful. And you are now located in Israel. Is that where yes. you are? Yep. Do you come to the United States too? Some of the, I'm in Florida, so it would be wonderful if you came here. I'm planning to host events here. I'll definitely let you know, and who knows? We'll see how the world goes. We right. Right. made a decision to kind of move up. We have lots of friends in, uh, in Florida, actually. Ah, you do. Okay. We do. We do. Uh, so... Florida would be one of the first places we go to, to teach, um, actually. But we'll wait and see. Right now, uh, we're just uh, reaching out from where we are and seeing people locally. People come from different countries, and they, they come here. Um, you know, people from Canada come here, America, uh, England, uh, more English-speaking uh, 
uh, but also Slovakia. I mean, all the place. So I'm available for people to come, or I do work with people over the internet, you know, with the Zoom. And a lot of it, given the lockdowns and shutdowns and all that's going on, it's over the Zoom, and it works, um, which was nice because I I like I like I like people. <laughs> yes. So I'm very you can tell I'm very personal in that way. Yeah, know? I can tell. Right. The book that caught my attention for this interview is titled. Into the Nothing, a spiritual autobiography, a very insightful book that I have to go back to. And I love the teachings that you have, notes that you have throughout the book. I do a lot of summaries to make it easy for people. Hey, I see that. Very appreciated, because a lot of times we, a lot of the readers might not feel like reading the entire story, but then they might be kind of pause when they read one of your teachings, like so many stopped me. So thank you so much, Gabriel, for doing what you do, for being open to life and being here and to share this present moment that's not present anymore, but it is a, a gift to me. So thank you. Well, Val- Valeria, it's, it's nice to, to work with you and I bless you in the work as you go forth, as you are going forth, that it continues to expand and, and, and uh, turn on, expand the consciousness of many people. Mm, uh. and, I bless the listeners that this inspires you to go ever deeper into your awakening process. Yes, thank you. Um, Yes, that's the wish here. At this time, what is the world's greatest need from your perspective? To wake up. Yeah, very simple. (laughs) Yeah, yes, uh, an infinite times to that. My last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die, if they don't get to the awakening, let's say, place, which is not a place? To know the truth of who they am, of who they are, and then know the truth of who they aren't, and to dance in the experience of non-causal, not anything outside of you, Non-causal peace, non-causal love, non-causal oneness, non-causal compassion, and to know the peace of that and to live that way in their everyday life. Mm. Uh Man, all over the chaos. That's good. Yeah, thank you. And before we say goodbye, I want to thank you again for your beautiful presence and work and message. Is there anything that you left unsaid, Gabriel, for today? <laughs> anything you'd like to add? <laughs> well, only to, to be a blessing, you know, uh, that, that we all should live as, as a walk before God as a blessing to the world and a blessing of love and a blessing of peace and a blessing of oneness, that we become the living examples of that. We have to be blessed and we have that strength. Um, and ability and uh, love that allows us to be that walking, living example to inspire people. Mm. Yes. Uh, How many yes can I say to that? It's another beautiful vision. And may everybody know the truth of who they are, which is really the big big picture. Yes, and the only reason, if there is one, right, to be here experiencing this. From my point of view, the only reason. Yes, from mine too. Yes. 
Thank you so much again, Gabriel. We'll talk okay, soon. Okay, Valeria, thank you very much for this interview and blessings to you. Blessings to you too. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Rabbi Gabriel Cousins and his work, please visit drcousins.com and treeoflife.mn.co. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.